Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Phoenix Rods. Today's guest is Brennan Waters, CEO of Ballast Point Brewery. Um, Matt, Mike, and Scott hooked me up with him, and uh, we also did a round two on the same day, so it's a fun time. He's got a great story. He tells you about his uh, fishing background in Australia, as well as here. Uh, very avid fisherman, so it's cool just to have someone on that's an actual, you know, real angler. And... Uh, also, as a CEO of one of my favorite beer companies, so it was a great time. Thank you for all the great food and all the amazing beer. Um, this the uh, the Ballast Point Fishing Team one. We do a round two, and uh, we get drunk again, and it's fun <laughs> and mess around. So, thanks guys for having me over there. Um, please check out the YouTube. So, I'm trying to do every episode as a YouTube version as well. It's a lot of work, but I know uh, people like to see my fat mug and whatever pretty guest I have on. Um, so yeah, I put it on YouTube as well. So you guys can check it out. Subscribe. Also give us a five star review on iTunes. If you can, um, we have the charter for next Friday. So please sign up. I think there's a couple spots left. You're going to be able to fish next to Butch Brown. Um, big Rob will also be on there. Amazing striper guy, Matt Pano, Mac Tang will be on there as well. Um, we'll also have Matt from Phoenix Rods and I think Caesar's coming with them. So they'll be representing Phoenix. You guys will be able to pull on some rods. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great time. So sign up if you can. Also, we got some uh, prizes from a Dark Seas sponsor. This one, we got a ton of hats, shirts, and some rods. So it'll be a fun time. And I think that's about it for this week. This uh, Friday will be, uh, Thursday will be the Ballast Point Fishing Team. And that's about it, guys. So, uh, hope you like this episode. We got some, actually, I got some merch in the works. It'll be really cool. Uh, We're having new designs, hats, shirts, hoodies, and I think stickers. So, uh, I have a a buddy helping out with that. So, it'll be great. Thanks again for listening, guys, and sign up for the Patreon if you can. All right, welcome to Cast and Crank Podcast. Today, I don't even know Brendan's last name. Waters. Waters, okay. Uh, so we have Brendan from Waters, and uh, what is your position at Ballast Point? Uh, CEO. CEO of Ballast Point. Yeah. So uh, we got hooked up by Matt Moyer and uh, the team to get him on, and it's cool because uh, you're an actual fisherman. It's not just like 
you you represent something like with fishing, but you actually do it. Right, I love fishing. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, where you grew up because it's kind of different than a regular story around here in SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I grew up in the bush in Australia. Okay. So it's um, yeah, most of Australians live in the bigger cities or close to uh, close to the water. Uh-huh. Uh, and I grew up in a place called Dubbo, which is Aboriginal for Red Earth. So it's sort of out in that desert area, or we call it the bush. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up out there, and I was fishing in, in um, dams, lakes, and a river. No and way. so that's how I, you know, we, we were catching yabbies, if you know what yabbies no, are. No, I don't. Explain. <laughs> oh, so, so in the dams... It's it's like a crawfish, okay, and so but it's a freshwater and it's it's a freshwater mud um, thing with with nippers on it, okay. And I grew up as a little kid going down with you know um, old bits of meat on the end of cotton and, and so you had no cr- line, no. So it's a bit of cotton. Um, you stick a and, and you throw this in, and it's uh, the the dirty meat and the rotting meat. The yabbies will come up, and they've got the pinches in it. When they're taking it, you have to get in there and flick them out. You put them in the bucket, and then wow. you boil them up and eat them. Yeah. So it's a little bit like a crawfish, <laughs> but that was my first, and that's when I was a little kid. Uh, me and my brothers did it all the time. Then we graduated to river fishing, and then uh, fishing um, on the the lakes. Uh, when did you get like some serious gear, like more like? You got a cool rod and reel. Like, how old were you then? I think I was probably, I was probably about ten okay. when I got my first rod and reel. And you remember what it is? It was, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't have a bloody clue. But it was. But we, we would jig for. Um, uh, the, there was a redfin perch. Okay. So a perch in, in the in the uh, it was called Lake Burundong or Burundong Dam, and you'd go and you jig, and then um, and then we sort of graduated. There's a river called the Macquarie River, which goes out into the bush. And it's got Murray Cod in it. Murray Cod can oh, get quite big. Wow. And so we would go after that. And uh, so a lot harder to catch. But, uh, but uh, I grew up fishing and just bloody loved it. So Murray Cod, I've, I've heard a lot of people um, compare them to like a large mouth, a bigger large mouth bass. Yeah. Like um, what was your PB, personal best? It was, uh, I would say, I'm trying to think of it, it was Killer Games. I would say probably around about a 50 pounder. Oh my but a big bugger. My grandfather mm-hmm. had caught one that was like 120 pounds. Oh my! God. And so I got you buddies. Too? So um, no, we put them back. Okay. Um, they used to. Uh, they're actually a little bit fatty. Okay. Um, the best eating fish is a barramundi. If you know what a yes, barramundi is, they have is. them in Florida here, right? So no, yeah. that's in northern Australia. This but is, but they, I think they have barramundi they, a farm. Oh, they got the barramundi yeah, farm, yeah, right? Yeah. Got it. But these are wild barramundi. So, yeah, and you don't get them around where I grew up. These are these are freshwater fish, but also brackish, and you can get them up the top end. Top end is up in Queensland, Australia. Mm-hmm. Great fighting fish, and they're yeah for me. Living here, like uh, I fish in the Midwest and we go after walleye, and yeah. I love walleye, like to, to yeah. eat. A barramundi is a massive fighting fish, and they just taste fantastic. So uh, that's the better eating fish for me <laughs> on, the, on the freshwater yeah. than, the, than the Murray Cod. But as, a, as a kid growing up, we'd go in, into the Macquarie River and get the Murray Cod, um, but we'd get um, perch and uh, there was different redfin and uh, yellow belly. And uh, that's that's where I sort of grew up learning how to fish and loving it. Was there a lot of like, uh, is it alligators or anything? Nah, around no. around us, you got to go north. The crocodiles are up north in okay. the top end up in, in Queensland, and uh, where I grew up, you got to be more worried about the snakes. That's really? pretty much it. You got the they'll kill you, but you know they you don't ever get bit Oh shit, no! If we did, <laughs> I mean, God no. There's there's something called the uh, where I grew up. We had the eastern brown. Okay. 
and that's the second most venomous snake in the world. And you, they will, you, you never, you encounter them, but they're going the other way. Okay. And so you've really got to try hard to piss one off. And you've got, either got to step on it or, or put yourself in a position you shouldn't be in. Yeah. So that, they're more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. And we're petrified of them. Because <laughs> if you get bitten, it's, it sucks. Do you have to walk? Like, Because you have to walk to the river or where oh, you're yeah. going. So do you have to make sure, okay, is there a different procedure? Boots. Big boots, mate. Big boots. <laughs> Big boots. I think it's, a, it's some crazy statistic. Like 80% of all snake bites in Australia happen below the ankle. Which okay. means if you're not wearing a, yeah, the They're not like a rattler's fangs. They're smaller. But mm-hmm. if you get bit, you're, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. Um, and so just wearing normal boots, they, they won't get through the boot. They won't pierce the leather. Yeah. So growing up, the biggest thing my parents always said was, put your boots on, put your boots on. Yeah. And so we would wander through the bush to get to the dams or get down to the river to go fishing. And honestly, it really isn't a problem. You know, um, you, you've got to really stuff up to piss off an Eastern Brown yeah. that he wants to bite you. Okay. Um, your dad, big angler too? No, he's not. not my, no. my grandfather's... Um, so my, it was my, all from your grandfather? My not, grandfather okay. was an angler, um, okay. big angler. Um, uh, my mum loved fishing, uh, but my dad w- wasn't, uh, wasn't a fisherman. But uh, it was my grandfather that really pushed Got me into you it. into it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you're growing up fishing all these lakes. When did you, how far were you from the coast? So around about five, six hours to, you know, to go. Um, and back then, what we'd do every year, we would, um, we would go for a holiday to the coast. Um, that's a big thing for us to yeah, yeah. get the car and off we'd go. And my dad uh, and uncle would all come together and we'd, we'd get a little tinny, a little fishing boat, we'd rent a fishing boat and we'd go into the estuaries and, and go after saltwater fish. Okay. And that's where I really got going because we would get, um, in Australia, they're called brim, flathead yeah. and whiting. The and brim they have tournaments for, right? It's a yeah, big, it's oh, a big fish. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are. And, yeah. and they're awesome. So as a, as a kid in my teens, we'd go to this little place on the coast, north of Newcastle uh, in, in Australia, and we'd, we'd fish and we'd eat oysters. It, it's weird. I came from the middle of bloody nowhere. Oysters are still one of my favorite foods. <laughs> and so you get over there and the oysters are just awesome. So You would be sim- going to actually pick the oysters. You'd get the oysters yourself or would you go buy them at a place? No, the, you'd go and buy them. Okay. The big sacks of bloody okay. oysters and we'd all sit around eating oysters and go fishing. Yeah. And so you, you'd go fishing and you got the sandy bottom. The water's just beautiful and that the, the flathead, the dusky flathead that were down there. You, you know, what kind of, how do those look? So a, a, a dusky flathead, you get some ones like this up to like bigger buggers okay and they're flat so it's oh, like a halibut almost kind so of? a little bit but okay. um so they would sit and they'd um sort of make themselves go into the sand and so you can't really see them but if you've got the bait and you've got the lure going by they just come straight out and bite it great fight great fight okay not as good as a barramundi fight but great eating like oh, okay. great okay. eating fish, <laughs> and it's easy to f- uh, fly them. You just um, and this is like a, and you're in the harbor. It's pretty much fishing, like in the so the estuaries, har- but yeah, the brackish. Yeah, okay, the brackish water. Okay, yep. all right, great. yeah. So not out, not out into the hard stuff where you go out and you get the bigger amber jacks and uh, some of the snapper and stuff. That when are, did you start doing that? So that was in the, in my teens as well, um, and it was my uncle, my because my grandfather passed away, and my uncle is a love fishing, and so we would go out and still when we go back to Australia, get a, get on the boat and we'll go offshore. Yeah. And I, I, know, I just, I just love it. Do you surf as well? I did back in, when I lived in Sydney. Um, I, now I scuba dive more. So okay. I'm a, I'm a diver. Um, but my surfing skills, so I, 
I snowboard, um, which is again odd from an Australia, but uh, <laughs> but but I but I was um, I, I learned to surf when I was in Sydney when I was in my teens. Okay, and out here, I, I, to be honest with you, there's too many bloody people, you know, in the surf. And I was driving down today, and you see all these buggers. I just yeah. I'd prefer honestly jump on a boat and go fishing. There you go, because yeah. you know you're going to be by yourself too, well, like on the boat. Like yeah, you're on like the boat. you could be away from people yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, now my question to you is the surfing. In Australia, sharks. Yeah. The, again, Did you ever encounter anything like that? Absolutely not. Oh, wow. Nah, so nah. do you think it's more of a myth, like where people go, oh, you're going to get in the water and get your leg bit off? Or is it, oh, or no, is it the, true? Like, oh, no, no. People die. Hmm. Um, yeah, they get eaten. Uh, but the thing is, is you look at the number of people that surf compared to the number of shark attacks. There's been more shark attacks recently mm-hmm. over in Western Australia and then down in uh, down in South Australia and all the way up. And then up to this famous area, Byron Bay, you get these bull sharks and bull sharks are bastards. Yeah. Right, they're, they're, they're bad buggers because <laughs> they're one of the sharks that can come into fresh water. Yeah, I heard they go up the river. They right? do. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, the great whites and stuff. If you get bit by one of them, he's probably chopped you in half and you're gone and you don't even know what's happened. Yeah. The bull sharks, those bastards, they, they're not as big, but they're, they're a bigger or a, a more worrisome um, shark attack. So you'll get it. You you could be river fishing and see a bull shark. Oh shit! Yeah. You'll, How far up will they go? Oh, they can go all the way into like completely fresh water. Oh. There have been instances in Australia, in Queensland, where like it's a big um, horse racing. Yeah. And they'll ta- they'll take the the horses to work them out through the rivers. The the horses get bitten by a bloody bull shark in fresh water, like a um, hundred kilometers inland. That's crazy. So you got to worry when you're river fishing. <laughs> I'm sure they've gotten in lakes before. Oh, I'm they have. Sure. No, they have. They're, they're in lakes. You've, you know, the bull sharks, they worry me more than the great whites or really? anything like How that. How big do they get? So the bulls can get, so they're not as big as the great whites, but the bulls can get pretty bloody big. You know, you get six to 12 feet. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. So like 12 feet would be on the, the, the big end, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter because they're angry bastards and I don't trust them. Yeah. Whereas they, do you think they mess the fishery up? Or you wouldn't really... They've been doing it forever, right? Nah, they've been yeah, in those the rivers bulls, forever. The, yeah, it doesn't mess the fishing up. You've just got to be careful. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of up in Brisbane, um, which is uh, one of the biggest cities up in the north end. Um, they, uh, people go fishing for bullfish in, in the river, like right near the big city. And Have you caught one before? I've never caught a bull. Oh, man. Never caught a bull. But they scare the shit out of me. <laughs> That's it. They're, they're the ones that, that, uh, that worry me. Yeah. But, uh, but again, just like surfing down there, there's so many bloody Australians that surf. The, you know, the, there's, there's more people, because the majority of the people live on the coast, mm-hmm. they, they surf. The number of shark attacks, it just, it's, listen, if you're going to live your life worrying about being eaten by a shark, you've got bigger issues. It's like when people go, you live in L.A., how many people get shot? I mean, there's a lot of people in L.A., so it's right. not like everyone's next to turn around the corner getting shot. You know, no. Right. There's different scenarios, and that's the same example, I would think, right? That's exactly Kinda right. Like- it's like people worry about spiders, snakes, crocodiles, and sharks. They go, Australia's just crazy. I said, well, look at the number of bloody people that get killed each year. And then throw in the car accidents. Oh, the kangaroos won't kill you unless you're an idiot. They'll, um, hit, they'll try to put like kick oh they'll out. kick your guts out but you you have got to be <laughs> so you got the big reds which are the big buggers right yeah and they're further out and they're really well protected um, they're the big boys that can get you know six foot oh six my, two they look ripped they, they are they're big animals and they're beautiful and then you've got the the eastern grey so the grey kangaroos that come down and then the next level down you've got the wallabies mm-hmm. 
if you put yourself in a position to to corner a grey or, or worse, a big red, mm-hmm. get ready. They, they'll, they'll kick the shit out of you. Oh, man. The other ones are the cassowaries. Have you ever heard of a cassowary? No, what is that? Google cassowary. <laughs> See, I need an intern to Google and bring it up right now. That's the craziest. <laughs> I'm what telling you. So a cassowary, is, is, it's like a dinosaur bird. They live in the top end. Okay. Um, and they've got these massive claws, and they're very territorial and protective of their young. You know what a you know what an emu is? Yes. So the emus are out running all over the bloody countryside. There's emus everywhere. The cassowaries are up in the in the, the top end where it's more rainforest. Mm-hmm. And that is a scary bird. You've seen them before. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and they'll walk through towns um, up up in the top end. Yeah. And you have to give them you have to give them all the space in They're the world. They're protected. They're protected. Oh. But I tell you what, if you put yourself there, they'll slice you to pieces. Big old claws. Big old claws and oh, they're big man. buggers and they're muscly. And uh, mate, they're, they're the ones. They, <laughs> the, and, and and again, the crocs. Most uh, most people that get you know eaten by crocs on the top end are tourists because it's yes, as hot they as hell. Know, they know people that live there know. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's like going in the bad part of town. Don't yeah. go there at night. <laughs> oh, but it's so hot. I just need to go down <laughs> no. to the river. Oh, no. Okay, that might be the last thing you ever do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were uh, grew up in. So it, it sort of um, it's a it's a our state is called New South Wales. Okay, and I grew up in just the other side of a town called Dubbo. Okay, and uh, and so from there I I uh, moved to Sydney to go to university. There's nothing. There's no colleges or anything out where yeah. I grew up. Yeah, um, and, and there was fishing. In Sydney, right? Oh, there. hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, the fishing great. in Sydney. What we do, and there's some rock, good rock fishing around Sydney. Oh, really? Because it's got, it's got all the beaches there, but there's some really great rock fishing. Okay. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, we jump in the car and just go go north up into these uh, the estuaries where you go after the, the, the flathead and yeah. the whiting again. Uh, just just perfect. Hey, guys, since we talk a little bit about bluefin, yellowfin, and yellowtail on this episode, I thought I would recommend a rod for you. And since I can't do that... Um, I called my buddy Chris Monroy about it, and he gave me a recommendation of what he uses. He's a very good yellowtail bluefin guy. So here's what he said. For fishing the dead flyer, California flyer on a kite drifting, he reused two rods. The HAX720X4H, soft rod tip to absorb head shakes, but enough backbone to kill him without hurting you. And the PHDX4H, fast shut off, beefy, and just plain stupid. Don't high stick it, though. A lot of people don't like the fast shut off, but Chris loves it. Thanks again, Chris, for the recommendation, and please go check out Phoenix at your local tackle shop. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. When did you get into uh, scuba diving? And- so I got into scuba diving about 12 years ago, maybe okay. even a bit more. 
um, and uh, I, I learnt here in the US and down in the Caribbean. And, uh, and so two, my wife does it, my eldest daughter do it. Um, so I shouldn't say I haven't seen it. I've seen a bullfish, uh, sorry, a bull shark diving off the coast of Florida. How where we're doing a wreck that? dive. Well, fortunately, I had a really good, um, I had a really good instructor, and he was, you know, we could see him up there, and he's just, you know, just take it easy. The, the wreck was there, and we're coming up, mm-hmm. and we took our time, and uh, we we're with, <sighs> we we're with. A, there, there was about, I think there's four of us in the, in that dive, um, and I went, oh shit! But I tell you this, <laughs> so the scariest, and it was weird. Have you ever heard of a potato cod? No, no, I have not. So off the coast, we'd go back to Australia and we dived off the Great Barrier Reef. And there's this part of the reef that's got the drop-off. So you have to go out. It takes you about an hour and a half, two hours in the dive boat. And you go out. And um, there was my wife, instructor, and my eldest daughter. Okay. And we're at about 80 feet. So 80 feet of depth. And I was getting down. So you're serious. Like, you could get the bend if you don't know what you're doing and everything, right? you got to. Yeah, yeah. You took the training classes. This is like, no. Okay. Oh, yeah. You can't muck around with this stuff. Yeah. So we, and we got, we got um, uh, proper dive. Uh, We've been diving for ages. Yeah. So you, you, you don't muck around with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the instructor was with us. You always have a, a, a dive dive buddy that takes you and knows your stuff and um, my wife was there my daughter was next to me and I was down a little bit further and you're looking off into this into the deep blue and I see this this thing just coming up and I look up at my daughter and she's like five foot and a hundred ringing wet and I could just see her eyes and the bubbles and I look down and this thing is coming up from the depths and I went holy shit this is how it ends (laughs) And so I just there, and the di- our, our dive buddy, he looks at me, and he just gives me the okay, you know, this is good, just stay there. And this massive potato cot came out of the depths, and so it's a white with brown spots over it, the size of a, um, like a Volkswagen. Yes. And it comes right up, nudges me, comes around me, I'm looking at this massive animal, this massive fish, and I'm, I, 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 I was shitting my pants, and I went, what? the hell is this and once i knew it was the potato cod he came up just monstrous nudges me turns around goes around me once and then goes right back down into the depths check out what was going on what was going on and i look up and my daughter is still i could see her eyes even though she was 20 feet above me her eyes were just (laughs) lit up and that was uh that but that that's the beauty of driving that the 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 uh, adrenaline because you don't know what's going to happen. I didn't You've know never what seen it was. that. It could have been eight. You like who knows? Yeah, I didn't even know. I, I didn't know what sort of fish it was because it was dark. Yeah, and, it, and coming out of the depths. But once you you get up, I'm going. Okay, I know it's a potato cod, and I know they don't eat people, but they're <laughs> bloody massive. Yeah, yeah. That That's probably the biggest fish you ever seen. Anything? Yeah, by far. That By far, thing, huh? biggest fish. Wow. Uh, uh, like a whale shark is effectively a fish. So I've seen a whale yeah. shark. But, but diving? No, that's, that's the, a different that's, story. That's a different, <laughs> that's a different animal. That, that bloody potato cod. It was also, it's also the one we talk about most too because you go, what an experience. That You're never just, probably going to see that ever. Anyone. Prob- because it just is a random thing that came up. Yeah. My wife's big on the, the ocean. She's like, you don't know what's under there. Nope. You that's don't. why it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, and, it's, and it's true. Like, well, she flips out in the lake. We fought the jet ski. I can't get fucking back on because she's, <laughs> she's trying to get on. And I'm like, hey, let me get on first. There's something down here. It's nothing. Striper, maybe. I don't know. You right, know? right. But uh, 
So when did you, uh, you finished college? Did you move finished here? Finished college. Uh, my wife and I, um, uh, so she was my girlfriend at the time, um, we put a backpack on and left for two years. So uh, just travel around the world for two years. So I ended up going through, um, spent a lot of time in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, uh, then spent uh, a lot of time in Russia. We took the Trans-Siberian over from Russia to China, spent a lot of time there, then went to South America and came through the US sort of towards the end of it. And I go... I like this joint, and uh, and so I. So put, you've been everywhere. I, I won't At say that time, you kind of wanted to experience everywhere. I, I yeah we, we yeah we were we spent twenty bucks a day, um yeah let's say twenty bucks a day just traveling around the world, living in hostels, um wow. just traveling on a, the bare minimum. But just we knew that at some point we'd get married, have kids, and not do this again. So we took that time yeah. to to actually just um, go and travel. Yeah. And so we've been to a lot of places, and uh, and w- yeah, one of the places we came through was the US, and uh, the, we met um, a crazy Irish lady, and she <laughs> uh, she told us about this thing called the Diversity Immigrant Visa Program. Okay. So I put my name in the hat. After two years of traveling, we get back to to Australia. And there was a letter from the U.S. government. And so my mother-in-law, um, who she wasn't yet my mother-in-law, we went back and stayed in, in Sydney. And she said, why is the U.S. government sending you letters? <laughs> and I went, shit, I don't know. Let's have a look. <laughs> Opened it up. And it was, congratulations, you have won the lottery. You have got a DV-1 um, uh, visa. Did you have, does your wife have to have one? So, yes, she had to be my wife. So then we, she said, you know you're marrying me. And I go, okay, okay yes, I guess I am now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I said, after being with her, like traveling for a full year, and we went through South America and Bolivia, and I got a mild case of the cholera mm-hmm. when we were down there. We were in the jungles oh, wow. of uh, Ruranabaque and Sucre down in Bolivia, mm-hmm. and I got sick as Right, and I got down to 140 pounds, and she had to, she cleaned me up both ends. How did you get rid of that? Do you have to just let it go through? Um, take tablets. So we oh, got okay. back. So she got me back. I was sick as buggery. Mm-hmm. We got back, and it took us a, about 24 hours on this on these crazy buses back there to get back to La Paz. Mm-hmm. And then she would call my mother. My mother's a nurse, and they'd, uh, she worked out what um, what tablets because my my Spanish was still shit. And um, and so she got me fixed up, and okay. and, uh, and it was it, it. That's how I knew at that point that she was always going to be the woman that I married. Yeah. Because the fact that she looked after me um, like I was a, a baby. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. No. It's I thought, the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're the woman. Yeah. I said you've seen everything. Yeah. You know, as bad. Uh, yeah. Bad about me. Yeah. Yeah. So so she said we're going to get married anyway. So I go down to the U.S. consulate in Sydney. And um, first day back, and uh, I said, listen, he's, I got this letter, and I said, listen, I'm going to get married, I've got a wife, uh, I've got a girlfriend, she's going to be my wife, I said, bring her in, I do a background check, and then they put a stamp in the passport and said, you've got six months to get into the United States, wow. and then if you get in, you've got a, uh, you've got a green card. And uh, with no restrictions other than every 10 years, you have to, you know, you have to live in the U.S. and you have to renew it. You just renew it. Yeah. So I, my company had held my job for, for two years, went back in and said, see you later. Oh, wow. And then they said, where the hell are you going? I said, somewhere in the U.S. And they said, there's a job. We'll get your job in D.C. 
And oh, so wow. I went to D.C. They gave so you got ball. to transfer your, your, your company you worked out to. That's yeah, great. They transferred me across. Yeah. I came to the U.S. I told my parents and my in-laws. I said, we're only going to be away for another two years. Don't worry. <laughs> that was in 1998. Wow. <laughs> do, they, do they still live in, in uh, Australia? Oh, yeah. Family? Oh, yeah. All, all of our family still lives back there. Oh, so it's just you guys here. On just, yeah. My, my wife wow. and I, we came over and then uh, off we go. So your daughter, uh, she... Grew American, yeah. So one in Seattle, one born in Seattle, uh, one born in London, uh, two born in Chicago. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah. So they're all. They got. <laughs> what funny do you call accents. people from? What do you call people from America? Yanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're funny. all yanks. Your kids are all yanks. Huh? <laughs> we call them all septics. So septics. So in Australia, if you ever heard of rhyming slang, yeah, Australians call Americans septic tanks. Right? Yeah, because it's a yank. Yank, okay. Yeah. And so they do that in, in England as well. That's right. right. Yeah, okay. That's right. We got a lot of our stuff and a lot of the, the, the <laughs> our, our crazy language and crap from the English. Yeah. Because they dumped us down there, you know, two hundred years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. As all prisoners, they said, you know, let's get the bad bastards down there. <laughs> then we ended up having the nice weather and the good place where you can go fishing <laughs> and, and do all this shit. Did you? Uh, so when you moved over here, were you still fishing somewhat? I. I so. I didn't do a lot of fishing when I was in D.C. When I got to Seattle, um, I went with buddies and we went fishing salmon in Alaska. You're way into it, then you're like, oh, oh God, I just love that stuff. And then, um, uh, but then I was doing more diving. But when I moved to Chicago um, and the Chicago area, that Chicagoland area, that's when we started to do bass fishing and walleye. And I got the kids into it. And I've got one. One kid that she's if she could fish every day. Oh, she's she's oh, a she loves it. Oh, that's cool. Loves it, and uh, she'll be moving out here to San Diego. He, she's eighteen now, and if she could fish every day, she would. Yeah, that's great. And she probably will because she's <laughs> she's crap at school, <laughs> and so so she'll be she'll be out here and we'll be we'll be fishing together. Yeah, that's great. And you got a good, I mean, fresh water, salt water. You got oh, everything mate. right here, man. It's, San it's, Diego, it's just great. beautiful. I just love it. I um, love it. So. How did the whole beer thing come, come about? So what, what happened was um, uh, I worked for this company. Uh, I then left and went to, to Europe and lived in London um, around about September 11th, 2001. Yeah. Um, I and w- worked for a hotel company. So I, uh, the hotel company was called Le Meridian Hotels. Mm-hmm. And um, I went over there for two years straight after September 11. I was one of the last planes that went around the buildings. I did my interview oh, in New York wow. City on September 11th in 2001. And um, I, my wife still got the phone records and because and, uh, the phones didn't work. I was, on the, I was in a, a United flight from JFK that went around at 8.28, I think it was. And, um, and then we got stranded. Or I got stranded uh, for the better part of five days. So I was one of the last aircraft to land. Your wife must have been losing it. No, she was asleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, my parents, my parents called her and got her out of bed. It was 5.30 because yeah. we were living in Seattle. Yeah. She said, what the hell's going on? And, uh, and they said, Did, is Brendan in, in New York? And she goes, yeah. She's, they said, get up and turn on the TV. And that was the day. And she goes, holy shit. And so she started calling me. None of the phones, none of it worked. And I was very late landing because we got diverted from Philly. We tried to land in Chicago. And as we're coming in, they diverted us again. Wow. And we had to go all the way to Minneapolis. Wow. So that's why we're one of the last ones to land. Yeah. And then we, we got stuck uh, stuck in Minneapolis through that week that was that crazy crazy time yeah um and so she was 
I don't know. My wife's pretty strong. She goes, oh, okay, let's see what happens. Um, he'll, he'll call eventually. And yeah, so right. I, I ended up calling. But I was, but, uh, so I, anyway, I ended up um, taking a job after that uh, working for a hotel company because I thought if there's any time to do something and learn about a new industry, it's when shit is hitting the fan. And no- So you jumped, you were jumping industries at the time. I was. Okay. So I decided, you know what? Um, this is going to be a crazy time for the hotel industry and I'll learn a lot. Turns out I did. And mm-hmm. so for two years, I lived in Europe. I can only be outside of the US and live for two years. And so on the very last day of two years, I left the company and moved back to the US. And so I moved back to the US, packed the family up, moved to Seattle. And I thought, shit, if there's any time that I'm going to start doing my own thing, it's going to be now. Okay. So I started my own company. So I started my own hotel company, a franchise company. And so I did that for nigh on 12 years. Oh, and, wow. But I moved, living in Seattle, every time you get in a bloody plane, you've got to go far. And so in the hotel industry, I needed to be out and about. So I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. Now I'm a really big <laughs> Padres fan, but I'm still in my heart. You know, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cubs fan. And so I chose Chicago to move there because it's a great sports city. It's central. And apart from those terrible bloody winters, yeah. it's a great fun town. Yeah. And so we moved over there, started my hotel company from there and got going, brought the kids up there and um, did a lot of fishing up in the lakes in yeah, southern Wisconsin, right? oh, up man. into Minnesota, getting up to the boundary waters, getting after the bloody walleye yeah. and then also a lot of the bass um, and then get some northern pike, just great shit. Yeah. And um, also we did, I've done a fair bit with um, uh, one, one of my kids out on Lake Michigan going after Did those. you do any freshwater diving? No. No, I still. So I heard a lot of people. Texas will do it. I think it was Texas. They'll go and spearfish. Okay, freshwater. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm. I'm just wondering. People do it. Too bloody cold for me. Yeah. Um, so I really am a weakling, and uh, <laughs> since I've moved back out here, yeah, I can't handle the cold. So I go back to see my my family in Chicago, mm-hmm. and I get rugged up and sit in there, and I think, oh my god, I've got too old now. That um, the, the cold just gets. I need. I'm warm. I need my warm blood. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so we're going diving and doing anything in cold water. If I if I can't wear a three mil or a five mil max, Darn. fuck that. I'm not doing it. Okay. Yeah. So fresh water. No. Because <laughs> it tends to, to be it yeah. tends to be cooler as you you, you rod and reel, rod and reel, rod and reel, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So so anyway, back to your question. Yeah. And I apologize. I go off on tangents. No, I do this too because I, I I'm like I can't think and people yell at me all the time you, you do that because i get excited and i'll be like what about this 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 right and it's part of the me learning to be a host to go calm down nick keep it in your head wait till he stops you know like and i do that all the time so it's totally my fault but get back on your story <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect the uh so i did that did the hotels um sold it to a public company uh back in 2000 so the franchise of the hotel thing you actually so, so the, you, you like mcdonald's Pretty much. Okay, but, but for was, hotels. But, but for hotels. Okay. Um, clearly on a lot smaller scale than McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but started this uh, this brand out of um, out of uh, with a partner in South Dakota. Okay. Uh, got it going, bought another brand. And so we own the rights to the name and we have the reservation system, the quality assurance. So we didn't physically own the asset, but if someone owns a physical building, then they they, you know, they wanted to make it our brand. Yeah. We, we had an option. Think of Holiday Inn Express, Best Western. Yes. We had a brand that was, you know, somewhat similar comparable yeah. Com- okay. comparable to that and then um so we got that going i got it up to about 85 of those and then wow. and then my wife said 
too much golfing, too much fishing. Um, <laughs> you need to focus again. And she said, and, and it's true, after about 10 years of doing something, you need to change it up. Yeah. And I said, ah, shit, you're right. And I don't like saying that to her. But I said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and so, um, so I ended up selling that. Uh-huh. And then what happened was I sold it and then I started playing golf and fishing. And she said, no, 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 no. You need to go and do something. So I said, I'm going to go back to brewing because I brewed back in Australia when I was at college. We turned um, uh, home brewer, like home brewers, into, okay. our kitchen. My wife wouldn't stay anywhere near our house. Five, five guys lived in a house in Sydney, going to college, and our kitchen was a brewery. It smelt like a brewery, except it was just miserable. And so my wife had never said, she said, you guys are disgusting. And and so anyway, I started it um, after I sold the hotel company in 2016. Uh-huh. Uh, I went and um, put a, a, bought all this brewing equipment again. I told her, I said, I'm, I'm going to start brewing again. So this she, is after you sold the order. You're just like, yep. hey, man, this sounds fun. Yep. Something cool to I'm do. I'm going back and doing yeah. it again. You know, things have changed so much. The U.S. is getting into it. I'm going to do the, the home brewing. And, um, and she said, well, you're not doing it in the house. I said, well, listen, I'll just do it down the back shed. She said, not a chance. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. So she said, just go and rent somewhere. And so I said, okay. And um, at the same time I'm thinking about doing this, um, she had introduced me to uh, Chris, my partner that's in here, the king of kings and convicts. Okay. Uh, he's, a, he's an Englishman. He's got a, um, he loves rugby. He loves beer and he's lived all over the world. <laughs> we started sitting drinking in a craft beer bar right near where we lived. And, um, and I said, I'm going to start home brewing again. I bought the equipment. I put the deposit on the equipment. Mm-hmm. But, but Lisa's telling me to get the hell out of the house. I'm not allowed in the house to do it. And he said, well, I'm, I'm not working at the moment. Do you, do you want a partner? He's a biochemist by, by background. Oh, wow. But he's also got um, process and technology background. He said, I'd love to learn how to brew. So I said, Sure. So we got together, he went away, he went on holidays, and I went and um, found this 5,000 square foot, way too big, uh, 5,000 uh, square foot facility in Highwood and said, right, we're going we're gonna to rent this. He came back and our little one barrel system is sitting in this monster warehouse and we said, well, let's start brewing. Yeah. So we started brewing. Uh, he went to, uh, back to school and learned how to um, brew at a, at a school in Chicago. Wow. And um, we just started getting into it. And, and that's how we started, you know, getting into the beer scene. And the thing with a lot Did of Did you things, have a label for that beard? Did you? So we started, it was called Kings and Convicts. Okay. So over, over beers, he's English, so he's the king. Mm-hmm. I'm Australian. I'm the convict. Because <laughs> right? they sent you away. They right? sent us away. <laughs> so we started, we started um, brewing again under that, under that name. So okay. that was the name of our brewery. And all of our beer names have some sort of reference to royalty or to the shitty Australians that got kicked out the shitty Australians in terms of what the Brits think (laughs) and then send us down there as well as a it's all tongue in cheek and having fun. So we got going with that and both of us were like, well, you know, this little brewery is not, you know, it's not going to sustain us long term. We either need to jump in in a bigger way or we need to go back and do other jobs because both of our wives would have killed us. (laughs) So we said, okay, let's, let's keep at this for a while because at the end of the day, we're liking it. Yeah. So we started going down this path. Um, we then um, we did a deal to expand into Wisconsin and build a bigger brewery. Okay. And that was when we started to understand um, or, or got to know Ballast Point. Okay. So um, we were looking at this and it was This gonna- time was uh, did uh, 
Who bought them previously? So Const- Con- no. no, Constellation Brands bought them in 2016, okay. late 2016. That's the big billion-dollar deal. That, that was what put them, Ballast Point, like on the bigger scale, right, kind of? So I won't say it put them on the bigger scale. Ballast Point were on a pretty big, bloody scale. No, of, of co- at, locally, of, of course. But then they got known globally as who the hell is this brand, this brewery, that someone's paid a billion dollars for. Yeah. And so that's where it became really well known. And, uh, and, and so Constellation did that, incorporated it, pretty much left it alone, but sort of incorporated sales and a lot of um, their marketing into Constellation Brands, which owns Corona and Modelo. Yes. Uh, wine as well as cannabis, but brought them in. Mm-hmm. And Ballast Point's big, but it's pretty small in terms of Constellation's overall business. So... Brought it in, Ballast Point's going along, trying to work things out um, and being part of a bigger company. Uh, Chris and I um, were building our big new brewery and trying to do the plans for it. Mm-hmm. And I've got a couple of buddies from Constellation that I play golf with and have a couple of beers with. <laughs> and I call them and said, listen, um, do you mind if we just go out and chat to the, the, the Ballast Point um, crew because we want to understand uh, setting up the equipment, you know, all the things that we need to do that we knew shit about, right? We could do little stuff, but not the big stuff. No, right. right? <laughs> so we, we came out and got to know them here, and that's when I sort of started to feel things weren't all right. Like it didn't, it, the, the marriage between Constellation and Ballast, there was no, there was no one in the wrong. It's just, combinations don't work sometimes mm-hmm. and this just happened to be one of those times yeah. and so over time um, we got to got to know them better and better and then back in uh, you know July of 2019 over a round of golf and beers I was playing with the Constellation <laughs> guys I said uh, what are you guys doing with Ballast Point and they said why you want to buy it I said yep and wow. they looked at me and said are you serious I said hell yeah I didn't know how but, uh, but, but I said, yeah. And so very shortly after that, we started a process. They came and did some background work on us and started digging in. And I called up my old contacts that had done business with me before mm-hmm. and, uh, and started pulling together a plan to, to acquire Ballast Point. So it really came about from brewing on a one-barrel system in Highwood, Illinois, drinking beer, uh, sitting around watching Cubs and Bears games <laughs> and um, talking about stuff and, and, yeah. and being part of the brew world to, to somehow falling into the opportunity to buy Ballast Point. Did, so uh, when you saw Ballast Point, did it kind of catch your eyes that they had the fish? So on it, you know, like we like, whoa, 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 this is right up my alley. It, I'll tell you what it was. Um, we'd come out here multiple times and – First and foremost, we, we love the beer, right? And my very first sculpin I had was in a, a Vegas casino, you know, sculpin. And I saw that, I went, holy shit. And that's, I said, this beer is unbelievable. And then we started, you know, oh my God, look at all the fish. Look at this. They've, you know, Caligo, Benito, right? Yeah. Big Eye and Longfin. And we started going through, and I thought, man, this is, this is really interesting. So it wasn't so much that the fish caught my eye. The biggest thing for both of us was that it fit in San Diego, right? It was a brewery and a brand that really was Southern California. Yeah. That was, that was linked with the ocean, that was linked with the, the, the land back here, that was linked with you know, um, uh, the, the, the sea with the fish, but it was just good quality 
beer, but it had this link to something that made it special. But listening to your story as well, like the way you did uh, Kings and Convicts, you, you like to play on words a little bit, right? Yep, correct. And it, it felt like, man, this is made for you. You know, like the whole ballast point, the fish, like it, it, it's exactly what you had in your mind, but someone had a, already had a platform for you. It, it, the, it, that's a good way to put it. Right? It's, Don't you feel like it, the way you're talking? I'm like, man, it feels like it's right up your alley. Well, put it this way. I've, um, even before we closed on the deal, I, we were sitting with a, a bunch of the employees and um, being here feels very comfortable for me. I feel at home in Ballast, but also in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I mean, you walk around San Diego, you've got the beaches, you've got the eucalyptus trees, you've got this weather. You could plonk San Diego down on the north coast of New South Wales mm-hmm. and you go, holy crap, I'm at home. Yeah. And, and yeah. so everything that, um, that, that works with San Diego and, uh, and Ballast Point made me feel very, very comfortable. Yeah. Um, so what are your plans? Once you came in, you kind of had the, the whole structure already do you kind of want to play more on the fish thing? Do you want to, you know, like what, what's, what do you see in the future? So I, th- I think for, for us, again, we had big plans, but, you know, the bloody pandemic, you know, you know <laughs> yeah. strips, strips the guts out of things. But I think the long-term plan remains the same is let Ballast Point be Ballast Point again. You know, take some, take some risks, brew some different beers mm-hmm. that they used to do. Get out there, have some fun with the beer, try some different varieties, try some different things and, and, and act like a true craft brewery. But most importantly, engage with the community again in a way that we probably lost a bit through Constellation for no other reason than it was just part of a big company. Yeah. Now, now we're back, we're in San Diego. So the plan is re-engage with the community, you know, focus, you know, we've got the two new booths here with the, 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 the two fish. We've mm-hmm. got um, Paul Elder, who is our artist. Um, a lot of breweries don't have access to a, an artist and a, a, a history of brewing like Ballast Point. So the plan really is to just engage back with the community, brew beers, take some risks, have some fun, and then get through this bloody pandemic. Yeah. And then... Which and then, seems to be about done, I think. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah, I think we all are. We, we just, <laughs> you know, as we keep going through this, we just, yeah, we keep having to remind ourselves that we will get through this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been tough on a lot of our employees. Um, it's, it's been tough on the community. And we just need to keep our head down, get through this, and then kick into innovation again and... We have a lot of beer that Ballast Point has brewed that has never seen the light of day. Mm-hmm. Some of it is crazy and some of it not so crazy. Like th- these two that we did, we thought, you know, this, these are beers that um, the R&D team have been brewing for a long time. They're different. They're not a normal Ballast Point beer. They're clearer. They're lighter. Uh, but again, it's something that is, is new. And we sit down over beers and talk to our artists and our brewers and that's how we came up with the names and we came up with uh, what you know we gus and big gus um that's you know we're just doing stuff that ballast point used to do a lot of and um so do you kind of like now that you came into this since you're into the brewing do you kind of get your hands dirty a lot and go hey man i want to kind of like look at a little bit or do you kind of let hey whoever's already doing the brewing i let them run artistically that's it you know, so I get involved more with drinking the beer 
and, <laughs> and and talking about you know the styles that we could potentially yeah. do and the naming. Chris gets my um, partner, the King gets he's into the operation side, okay. so he works with the R and D brewers as well as the main brewers out here. So he gets his hands dirty a little bit more. Um, so it's sort of that good combination where we have you know the operation side, but then we we, we jump out into thinking about where does where does the brand need to go? What new beers can we do? So. There's too many really good brewers that we've got within this company that they don't need to listen to shit that I I do. No, right. No. But, but did we, you guys bring the the, the King Kings of Comics Com- in? We we did. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. So we we uh, ultimately we will brew it out here. Um, we've got a small little brewery still back in Highwood. Oh, that that's we, a separate separate entity. Then we're all part of the one company okay. now. All right. So Great. it's effectively one company, two brands. Okay. So yeah. it's okay. you, you've got the the big grouper and you got the little minnow. <laughs> so the big grouper is the the ballast point. Yeah. The little minnow is kings and convicts. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I have a, a friend I grew up with. He uh, he used to be the master brewer at Coronado, and he works at is it South Day North? Uh, uh, it is. Um, Yes. I want to say it's his company. His name's Ryan Brooks. Yeah. That's, so I grew up with him. Yeah. I, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, but Coronado, one of my favorite breweries in the country. And it's so cool to talk to you about all this because when he started, I played in, in punk bands and hardcore bands my whole life. He was a buddy of mine that I used to record. So he'd come stay at my house. We would record. But he's like, hey, I got into this thing. I'm like, what? I started brewing beers. This is 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And he'd bring these beers down. And I'd save all my bottles because I drink a lot. And I'd give it to him <laughs> because he'd do the home brewing thing. And now he's huge. It's like crazy. Like, I, you know, go, hey, do you know this guy? They're like, yeah, I know who that is. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a buddy I grew up with. But it's interesting to see how it's like fishing, brewing, almost. Like, you can get so into it, all the grains and all the stuff. It's so. 100%. You know? And then the, the craft brewing scene and in particular here in San Diego because it's such a big deal mm-hmm. and San Diego's had so many iconic breweries that have come from this area yeah. and uh, but they've helped each other out and so you, you look at the likes of the Coronados right the pizza ports yes you, you've got stone up the road here yeah but you've got epic and you go through all these different breweries they've all helped each other out modern times you keep going fall boom 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 it's just this hotbed, this great area. And it's the way that you're talking about it, everyone, it's like almost like everyone's going to get fit. Everyone, I love, I'll drink any beer. I love beer. Me too. So it's not like I'm only drinking Sculpin. Yep. No, you could drink anything, you know, like it's like, and you're going to keep drinking it. You're not going to stop. If you, if you, you've got to have an open mind when it comes to beer, a little bit like fishing. Otherwise, I feel like you, <laughs> you could put this same thing on fishing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh-huh. You can't do it all on your own. You've got to you've got to be willing to uh, suck it up yep. and admit that you don't know everything. <laughs> yes, because otherwise you'll catch no bloody fish. Yeah, and and so we've got you know you look at this little spot right here around us, around the back we have Ale Smith, mm-hmm. Pure Project Societies down the road here. Cutwaters and Cutwater. Cutwaters yeah. over there. Yeah. yeah, so Cutwater Spirits is around yeah. that. That was the spinoff from the Ballast Point um, Brewing and Spirits side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of these, all of these breweries that are around here have somehow or so in some way benefited from each other there's no way we could catch bluefin tuna if i didn't know where the bastards were and if other people weren't right, helping us right you know telling giving giving sir you've got to go out to hidden banks oh you've got to go out to tanner yeah you know and, and so it's just like brewing you, you don't do it by yourself yeah 
No, I a hundred percent. Um, it's, it's a super interesting thing to me. Um, and, uh, I, I love getting technical into stuff and like hearing someone's point of view. And not only that, you're, uh, very business minded. I can see you're like, Hey man, I want to do this. You're done with it. Next thing I want to keep creating, keep creating, you know, and, and, uh, it's a cool story. That's the, listen, that's the only way I, I, you've got to keep going. Right. I, I, I won't, there's no such, I've never really thought I'll retire. I'll mm-hmm. just keep golfing, fishing, drinking, <laughs> doing what I need to do yeah. until such time as I keel over. Yeah. And when that happens, it happens. Um, or you take my shark or something like that. If diving, <laughs> yeah, I, it's very, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I, now that I've said that, <laughs> you'll, you'll see, I'll get, I'll get taken by a freaking great white uh, after, after wrestling a bluefin. Um, but now you just got to keep doing it, having, having some fun, keep going. Um, and just do it in a place that you like to be. And I think that's one of the things that it's easier, uh, especially right now, mm-hmm. for me to be out here in San Diego and get the family out, yeah. is that I could see long-term. It's easier to get back to Australia, see the family. The family, it's easier to get them yeah, crossing over the Pacific to come over and see, yeah. um, as opposed to getting all, their, all the way to Chicago. This yeah. is just a very comfortable place. They're going to be exactly, they're going to come here and feel comfortable. Like, okay, this is kind of like back home somewhat. It's not... You know, completely big city. Yeah. You know, that vibe. Um, the, the, my family, they will never come to Chicago in the winter. They will <laughs> never. They, so cool. They've turned up some, uh, like once only, uh-huh. and they said they will never come back to Chicago. <laughs> Australians just don't handle, you know, minus 20 degrees. No. Um, what kind of boat do you fish out of right now? So we've got a, uh, my buddy. Um, uh, Captain Mushy mm-hmm. uh, Captain Mushy's got a Cape Horn 32 footer okay. with two uh, big 400 Mercurys on the back oh, that gets wow. us out to San Clemente yeah. and then, but also down to Coronado we, you know, and, and out over, just out uh, nine miles um, so it's, it's a great fishing boat, we've got it all set up You're doing a lot of the bluefin stuff then this year we, So last year we did the bluefin, a lot of yellowtail okay. um, we, but we all do, also did some of the rockfish, we went after some of the, the sculpin. You doing and, any swordfish yet? Uh, no, he, we geared up <laughs> <laughs> we're geared up so he's got he's got the stuff we've been talking about it yeah. um, but uh yeah so that's that's on the plan but i did hear that the bluefin are only 50 miles south so they the buggers are coming back they're, no they're I, it'll back. probably be just like it, it was last, last year. year and i'm sure you could talk to matt and mike they do you know they yeah. caught they catch them too yeah in their boat which is awesome you know yeah like, it's great um i'm gonna say thank you man for coming on i appreciate it no uh, thanks for having me there's man. not much to plug we're here Dallas yeah, Point. That, yeah. <laughs> not, not a problem. Yeah. Um, what's the two new beers in case people can check them out? When are they going to be out? Uh, so they're out now. Okay. Uh, big Gus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an IPA, but it's a clearer IPA. Still a big, big IPA. But is it's it, just- um, are these, this is my only problem with Sculpin. I like them so much and I can drink them like I would Bud Light almost. And the problem is, is you don't feel the same after five months. So I'm going to tell you, we Gus, and I took it um, with my, my fishing buddy, mm-hmm. and he drinks long fin all the time. Yes. We Gus is lighter than long fin. Um, it's only 4.2%. Oh, great. And That's the one you need. It's clear, and you can smash it. It's meant to be a boat beer. Okay. Right? So there's... there's <laughs> I won't tell you what we were talking about. But so we Gus is really light, easy to drink. Mm-hmm. It's not heavy at all, and it's it, this is a boat beer in the middle of bloody summer. That's that that's a great recommendation because I mean, usually when I go, I love sculpting. That's like yeah. my beer. Yep. So it's like oh, 
to have something in between is great. Yep. Yeah. No, uh, I go. I, I start off with a couple of sculpting out there on the boat, <laughs> and then I I have to migrate down to. Yeah, long you got to get that quick buzz, and then you That's go back it. down. Go come back down, <laughs> and then uh, then we gusses on the boat. So yeah. we'll we'll be loaded up with that. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting us come here and do this. We're gonna have uh, the the fishing team on next, and uh, thank you to Mario from uh, Long Beach. He let set it up uh, another podcast that came out today. But you guys will probably hear this in another couple of weeks. But thank you for all the help. I appreciate it. Anytime, mate. All Good right. Stuff. Take care. Thanks, mate.